Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Dave Astor and I are once again bridging the 3,923 kilometers between New Jersey and Vancouver. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for stopping by for a visit. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, I do too, and thank you for inviting me again. Well, as you know, Dave, the book on top of my 2020 stack of books is your book, Fascinating Facts About Famous Fiction Authors and the Greatest Novels of All Time. You have a marvelous way of going deep to find the story that is hidden in the folds of history. So listeners, put on the kettle and add to this exciting conversation on teatoasttrivia.com. Dave, you know, a few days ago, I read this brilliant comment. When things are hard, books are there. Books are the best companions and comfort during times of uncertainty, which we are experiencing now. They build our resilience and courage. But what came out of this? I have been very interested in the transition from reading to writing. For some, it seems to be a natural progression. So I thought I would ask you, a writer, how this all happened. In my case, when I was in school, you know, when I was a teenager and before that, I obviously did some writing for, you know, assignments, book reports and so on. And the teachers seemed to like it. So that was encouraging. They seemed to like my writing. And I think that kind of made me want to continue writing, not only for class assignments, but you know, on my own. So that's how I got started. Stephen King once said, if you don't have time to read, you don't have time or the tools to write. Simple as that. Do you believe that? Yes. I mean, you could not read and write stuff that would be kind of boring. You need to read in order to have ideas, in order to you know, stimulate your mind. And that leads to more interesting writing. So yes, I, I definitely agree with that. It sort of sparks whatever is in your brain to say, oh, that's a good turn of phrase. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you learn facts and emotions and other things that you can apply to your writing, even if you're not thinking about it directly, but your your brain is more primed to write by reading and expanding your mind by reading. Is it possible that you're just inspired, you know, by somebody else writing? That's a good point. If you see something that's written really well, you think, wow, if I could only do something approaching that, it, it can be very inspirational. I mean, sometimes it could be daunting too, like, oh, I'll never write as good as that, but it, it can kind of spur you. Well, I think that is my question. You know, when we think about reading and writing, and we did a lot of it in high school and in grade school, and somehow along the line, we left it go and allowed somebody else to do the writing for us. I was thinking that most of us consider writers have been given a special gift to write books. They have deep insights, the gift of words, the capacity to create complex stories. So when we look at people like George Eliot, Tolkien, Turgenev, I'm going to say it right, Turgenev, and the Bronte sisters, we put them on the pedestals. And I think many of us are hesitant to write after, after we think of these people. Some of those authors you mentioned, they were not great from the beginning. Some obviously are just born to be writers, but others uh, really worked at it and got better. For instance, George Eliot, her first novel was Adam Bede, which was a fantastic novel. She had a book of short stories that she wrote before that, 
And they were okay, but they were not great. You know, she kind of got better. Jack London, his first book uh, was atrocious. And that was his first published book. I mean, these writers might have also written atrocious stuff that was not published. But anyway, his, his first book was awful. And by his third book, which was The Call of the Wild, was fantastic. So he kept writing. Somehow things came together. Many of these writers were not great at first, so they shouldn't discourage people. They have to work at it and keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. Well, then think about somebody like Maya Angelou. And she said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. Did you have an untold story? There's a lot of truth to that. If you there's something that you feel you really want to write, you don't write it, it kind of nags at you. You almost have to write to kind of get closure or a catharsis or something. My first book was a memoir about a job I had covering cartoonists and columnists and some of some stuff I went through in my life. And for a couple of years, I, I felt it would be an interesting book and I should write it, but I was busy. I, I couldn't write. It was just kind of nagging at me. And finally, I did write it. It was hard work, but once I finished it, I no longer felt like myself was nagging myself. <laughs> Maya Angelou, from what I know of her life, she was not a writer at first. She did all kinds of things. She was a dancer. She was this, she was that. And, um, she had to really be pushed to write her first memoir. I, I know why the caged bird sings. And so I, maybe it was nagging at her, but she also needed some outside push to write it. And she, and she did. That brings a great point because you need a support group. You need somebody behind you. Somebody has to yeah. make the bread and uh, cook the food while you do the writing. You can't do it all. You have to have somebody there to say, go for it. Classic story of that is uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who wrote 100 Years of Solitude. He was a journalist and he had this idea for this book and basically spent 18 months writing it and did nothing but writing that. He had no income. His wife did everything for him, the cooking, the this and that. And then he came out with this classic and the gender dynamics could be the opposite. A husband could do the same support for a woman writing like that. I don't know if he could have done it without that, that support. I, I don't think they could because you can't be two places at once. Yes, exactly. And that means creativity comes in community. The best way to do creativity is by having people around you. Yeah, well, well said. You have interviewed many writers over the years. Was there any similarities in their desire to write? How did they know that they should write? I think it, it differs a lot. When I interviewed writers, I, I tended to interview them about what they wrote, not why they wrote. So I'm just kind of guessing. But I think everybody goes into it with a different history. Some people, they just were writers from when they were young. Other times they were in other professions and they suddenly decided to be a writer. Some life event might have affected them like serious illness or something. And they felt that they wanted to put something down on paper. I think it just varies. It probably does. When you look at different circumstances and, and the places where you've been in your life, it does give you a unique perspective on how you were going to write or what you're going to write. When you think of somebody like Ernest Hemingway, and he said, all you have to do is sit down at the typewriter and bleed. Obviously, kind of a exaggeration, but there's, there's something to that. You really, to write well, at least with fiction, you have to put a lot of yourself into it. You have to kind of suffer to write it well. You have to maybe have had to suffer during your life. 
So it's just not an easy process, uh, I guess, is what he was sort of indirectly saying. <laughs> Didn't he write somewhere he was going to be a newspaper writer? With the Kansas City Star, yeah. And they told him to go out and experience life? I haven't heard that in particular, but it sounds very believable. And he also was a World War One veteran, so he certainly experienced plenty of life that way. I don't know if maybe that was before he became a journalist. And he lived that credo the rest of his life. Maybe he overdid it. I mean, he covered the Spanish Civil War. He did all kinds of risky things and just never was the kind of writer who just sat in an office and wrote. He got out there. So when people think that they have to have this great idea, a lot of times they just have to sit down and and just start that first sentence. Even if you don't have a, a good idea or you feel you have writer's block, if you just, you know, put something down and keep putting it down, then you can always go over it, you know, a second time or a third time and hopefully turn it into something better. I know when I've had writer's block, I, I very seldom just stare at the, at the computer screen. I just write something and, uh, you know, the majority of the time it'll be uh, usable once I kind of revise it and fix it up. What would you suggest or what would your advice be to someone who wants to write but might feel overwhelmed? Sort of what I just said, write even if you don't think it's good and see what you come up with. If you're not coming up with something, maybe think about something in your life that might help you write something like some experience, some person who inspired you. I mean, it depends on what you're writing. If, if you're writing fiction or nonfiction, depending on what kind of thing you're writing. And, and then the next stage is we like to share our writing with people. So everyone thinks the epitome of being a writer is to be published. But you and I know publishing is a difficult field. Yes. And to get into a, a random house or all of those type of quintessential publishers, you have to be somebody very special. This is where I believe the indie writers and communities are essential for new writers. Do you agree? You can self-publish anything. Even if you're not a good writer, you could self-publish as long as you spend a certain amount of money and, and either do it yourself or have somebody do the kind of technological stuff. So yeah, I mean, there are uh, all kinds of opportunities. And, and the, the big publishers, there's less of a chance to be signed by them than there used to be. It's just a real long shot. So if you might want to try that first. If you have a, a great idea, but if that doesn't work, self-publishing or, or a small press could be an alternative. And there's some great ideas out there. I've been looking into the indie field, and there's a community that surrounds that. And they support each other. Yes. And this, to me, is one of the biggest benefits of being part of that. And more and more are being listened to. In fact, some of the great writers are going independent. And there's something to be said for that, because first of all, you keep everything you make. Even with the big publishers, you have to do your own marketing uh, to an extent. If you're going to do your own marketing as an indie writer, there's some benefits to it. And if you have some sort of platform where you can get the word out about your book, it's not necessarily going to be unknown. I mean, you could, if you have a blog or if you make speaking appearances or whatever, you could get the word out. Not quite as good as a big publisher could, but you can get the word out. If you have passion and the excitement of what you've done, it flows and people will one day want to say, oh, I wonder what that's all about. And I think it's the positive aspect of having the ability to say, I have written something. I want to share it because I think it's important to share. And 
if you go with that spirit, I know that there are monetary rewards, but the first reward is that you have actually written something and you've published it. Yes, and that people are seeing your thoughts and hopefully like those thoughts or find them interesting. Money is not the main object, just not realistic. Most indie writers are not going to make a huge amount of money. Some do quite well. I mean, I, I know some personally, and some do modestly and some don't sell much at all, but they're still very satisfied that they, they've published. I think that is so, so important. Well, let's publish. When we talk about it, we open a conversation and a discussion that leads to a wider understanding of the human condition and the human narrative. I think that to be engaged, especially now, is so important to find ways and technologies to connect to a wider group. You and I have a global community, and that, to me, is so exciting and vibrant and so comforting. We are together. Yes, blogs are one of the greatest inventions ever. The fact that one could get a community like that through through a blog, which you know, was not possible 20 years ago. I didn't even realize that it was short for weblog. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even know what a blog was then. A log? I thought log, blog. And now we have blogs. At, you know, the human spirit says, I want to connect. Readers, Dave is a wonderful support to me. He has encouraged me through our discussions on podcasts as well as the blogs. And I want to say thank you, Dave. I keep on sending you questions and you are so kind to me to say, oh, let's do this. And, and thank you for uh, asking those questions and for all the work you do. I mean, not only your podcast, but you have several blogs and they're all interesting. And you will come back? Uh, absolutely. I look forward to being on your podcast again. The idea of you and my conversation gives hope to a wider and broader conversation going forward. So last thoughts. Not sure if I, if I have any other last uh, thoughts. <laughs> That's the best thought because that means you're going to come back. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining Dave and I on Tea, Toast and Trivia. And a special thanks to Dave. He continues to inspire me, as I have said. And you can connect with Dave on DaveAster on Literature.com. There is always an adventure in reading waiting just waiting for your arrival on his blog. <laughs>